The lower house of the Swiss parliament has passed a motion that calls for deepening ties with Taiwan. The motion asks Switzerland's government to submit a report on how to strengthen its relationship with Taipei in the fields of trade, politics, science and culture. This motion is the Swiss parliament's first Taiwan-friendly motion since 2007. In related news, a Canadian senator has taken a stand in Taiwan's defense. He's written a letter to the United Nations asking it to address its unjust exclusion of Taiwan. Sky lanterns rise up on the screen in Times Square in a new advertising campaign for Taiwan's United Nations bid. It's a bid that's won endorsement from Canadian Senator Leo Hosakis. He wrote to the UN Secretary General, conveying support for Taiwan's meaningful participation in the global organization. He said China could not represent Taiwan's interests. He urged the UN to correct its discriminatory policies against Taiwan passport holders. In related news, the lower house of the Swiss parliament adopted a motion on Tuesday on improving relations with Taiwan. One parliamentarian, Nicholas Walder, said that Taiwan was a partner with which Switzerland shared democracy, respect for human rights and a liberal economic order. According to this motion, the Swiss federal government must submit a report on how to gradually deepen relations with Taiwan. The last time the Swiss parliament approved a pro-Taiwan motion was in 2007. Over the past few years, an international alliance of democracies has taken shape. Taiwan is a hallmark issue for this alliance. The lawmaker says Taiwan has been gaining democratic allies in the global community. It's also been steadily deepening its ties with the U.S. Earlier this month, a House panel passed a version of the 2022 National Defense Authorization Act. It calls for cooperation between the U.S. National Guard and Taiwan and for the U.S. to support Taiwan's self-defense. It also suggests inviting Taiwan's naval forces to participate in the 2022 Rim of the Pacific exercise. Before, the U.S. had felt that this issue was very sensitive and there were no follow-up discussions. So regarding Taiwan's chance at participating in exercises, or at least in the Rim of the Pacific exercise, I think this development is a step forward. With anti-China sentiment rising globally, support for Taiwan is at new heights. It's a development that's infuriated Beijing. The DPP authority is warned that no matter how it associates itself with external forces, it cannot change the historical and legal fact that Taiwan is a part of China. No matter how angrily the Taiwan Affairs Office responds, there is no way to conceal the fact that Taiwan, as a country of freedom, democracy and human rights, is respected internationally, while China's world-worried diplomacy and aggressive economic coercion have been the source of global outrage. The ruling party lawmaker pushed back, urging Beijing to face up to reality. More Lithuanian food may be coming to a grocery store near you. The government held a networking event on Wednesday to connect Lithuanian food companies with distributors in Taiwan. During the one-day event, Taiwan distributors met virtually with Lithuanian producers who are known for exports like cod, cheese, beer and honey. Over recent weeks, China has hit Lithuania with trade sanctions in retribution for the Baltic state's support of Taiwan. For a country that has been so nice to us, a country with which we have such friendly and meaningful relations, promoting their amazing agricultural products is the least we can do. All two countries share the same values 
of democracy, freedom, human rights, and open market economy. In a very short time, we have created strong bonds. Earlier this week, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs said Taiwan will send a delegation to Lithuania, Czech Republic and Slovakia in October. The delegates will be led by National Development Council Minister Gong Mingxing. The purpose of the visit will be to deepen economic exchanges and to lay the groundwork of a lasting partnership. We're now on day three of the Hanguang Live Fire War Games. Earlier in the morning, fighter jets appeared on a small strip of Provincial Highway No. 1 in Pingdong County. The Air Force conducted landings and takeoffs right on the roadway, simulating a scenario in which Pingdong Air Base is destroyed by the PLA. This was Taiwan's first ever emergency landing drill conducted on a standard highway. It was one of the most highly anticipated drills of this year's war games. Emergency takeoff and landing on a narrow strip of road. On Wednesday, an IDF jet was the first to tear down the Jadong wartime runway. It was closely followed by an F-16V and a Mirage 2000. An E-2K airborne early warning aircraft closed out the drill. The four planes landed one after the next. President Tsai Ing-wen, who was inspecting the games, greeted each of the pilots. During Tsai's meetings with the pilots, crews refueled each warplane. Thirty minutes after landing, the aircraft took to the skies to return to base. The emergency drill tested pilots' ability to land on civilian roads in the event of PLA bombing at Pingdong Air Base. In this situation, Taiwan's military aircraft would need to use wartime runways for refueling and resupplying to maintain combat power. A military analyst says that being able to use wartime runways is essential for the Air Force, which does not have aerial refueling capabilities. The completion of this drill at Jadong Runway means that we've completed trials of all five of the ROC's wartime runways. The Jadong Runway exercise had to be planned out extremely meticulously so that these four aircraft models could land in such a short period of time. After landing, they were able to take off once again in a very short time span. The more wartime runways we have, the bigger the boost to our air strategy and survivability in combat. Wednesday's drill was the first exercise completed on the Jadong wartime runway. A drill scheduled at the site 10 years ago was cancelled due to poor weather. Taiwan has launched its eighth round of COVID vaccination, which will deliver the AstraZeneca vaccine between September 15th and 23rd. For the very first time, adults as young as 18 years old are now able to get the vaccine. This round will also offer a second dose of AZ to anyone who had their first at least 10 weeks ago. It's long queues at vaccination sites as old and young wait for their AstraZeneca shots. About 710,000 people have appointments for this round of inoculation. At a vaccination site operated by Shinkong Uhosu Memorial Hospital, all 1,400 appointments for the day were fully booked. College students were among those who turned out today, ending their long wait for a vaccine. I've waited so long, about three months. 
I felt like it'd never be my turn. There were outbreaks all over. I was quite nervous. She shows off her vaccination card and says she hopes the day will come when life will be free of pandemic restrictions. Also on Wednesday, older adults say they were relieved to be getting the second shots at last, after weeks of worrying news reports. It spread so fast, I was scared. Many older adults have waited so long for their second shot. They've developed anxieties. And we had those Delta outbreaks recently, the one with the EVA air pilots in Taoyuan and the preschool cluster. The Delta strain has been knocking on our door, and that's been a little worrisome for everyone. This eighth round of vaccination will deliver AstraZeneca to people who need a second dose, having received their first dose at least 10 weeks ago. In addition, a first dose of AstraZeneca will be offered to adults aged 18 to 22, who signed up on the wait list before July 19th. Meanwhile, about 3 million people are waiting for their second dose of the Moderna vaccine. A doctor suggests administering Pfizer as their second shot. If you had Moderna for your first shot, there shouldn't be any problems if you get Pfizer as your second. The two vaccines are very similar qualitatively. They can be considered to be the same kind of vaccine. Experts call for allowing mixing and matching with Moderna and Pfizer. The CECC says that second-dose vaccinations will be prioritized when new shipments of Moderna arrive. National Taiwan University Hospital plans to conduct a study on mixing Moderna and Medigen vaccines. On Wednesday, the CECC announced the move. Let's hear from the health minister. Theoretically, mixing Moderna and Medigen is feasible and it's being studied. Once there are results on that, we will discuss the matter with experts before making a decision on vaccine administration. We don't necessarily need to wait for researchers overseas to evaluate the mixing of mRNA vaccines and protein subunit vaccines. If Taiwan waited every time, it would never find itself at the front. According to the CECC, this study will recruit subjects who have already received one dose of the Moderna vaccine. These subjects will be given a second dose of the locally produced Medigen vaccine. Also on Wednesday, the CECC said it has no plans to allow the mixing of Moderna and Pfizer. Take your vitamins. That's common advice for people who need a nutritional boost. But popping pills may not always be the best way to get more variety in your diet. It's easy to overconsume vitamin tablets or to ignore their side effects. We spoke to a doctor to find out more. Calcium tablets, multivitamins, vitamin D. Lots of us take a pill or two each morning. During the worst of Taiwan's COVID outbreak, sales of vitamin C and D grew by 40% year on year. Especially when people get a vaccine and feel some discomfort, they take vitamin C to alleviate that. Taking vitamins is seen as both prevention and cure by many people. But this doctor warns that taking too many vitamins can be dangerous. Vitamin C is actually a soluble vitamin. That means when you ingest it, if you don't take enough water at the same time, it increases your risk of kidney stones. Active vitamin D, when taken in high quantities, can cause a risk of hypercalcemia. There are hundreds of vitamins and minerals in shops, but soluble tablets are especially risky. Vitamin C is an acidic substance, in fact, so if you regularly drink these acidic drinks, it can be an irritant for people with more sensitive tooth enamel or sensitive stomach lining. 
There are ways to get your vitamins that aren't pills. Sun exposure helps your body create vitamin D. Berries contain lots of vitamin C. This doctor advises a balanced diet as the first port of call to avoid unwanted side effects. With its preschool cluster contained, New Taipei says it will lift its ban on dining in starting Thursday. But the mayor warned restaurants that inspections will be conducted to enforce epidemic prevention guidelines. Let's hear from him. The epidemic has continued to stabilize. Things are going in a good direction. So starting tomorrow, September 16th, dining in will be allowed once again. Epidemic prevention rules must be strictly enforced. Ho said there were zero new cases in the city on Wednesday. He said that based on the outcomes of several rounds of COVID testing, the preschool cluster appears to have been contained. A few lucky locals were treated to a tethered hot air balloon ride this week in Kaohsiung. The local government ran two days of successful test flights to prepare for a hot air balloon event slated later this year. Reflections shimmer in Love River early Wednesday morning. The West Bank is looking more colorful than usual with the addition of hot air balloons of varying shapes and sizes. It's a picture postcard scene that's drawn a curious crowd of locals. Flames erupt, sending the balloon soaring skyward. This was the test run for a government event to be held later this year, provided that the epidemic stays contained. Kaohsiung's Tourism Bureau plans to offer hot air balloon rides so that people can experience the city from above. I'm a little scared, but the view is spectacular. It's very beautiful here. This is my first time seeing Love River from high up in the sky. You can take in the entire river from here. On Wednesday, balloons launched off the riverbank, dotting the sky with color. A few lucky locals were treated to a bird's-eye view of their city and their river in the morning light. A team of professional pilots raised one passenger-carrying balloon and four smaller balloons. Turning to a different scene, Tianliao Moon World, with its barren beauty, was a testing ground for balloons the day before. A ride here was just as thrilling as the famous tours of Cappadocia, Turkey. Although I've never been to Cappadocia, Turkey, I did see the photos at that beautiful landscape. It's as if I were in Turkey's Cappadocia. I love license. You need to know about the weather. You need to know how to control the balloon and uh, many, many things you need to learn. Test flights were slated for early in the morning and at dusk, times of day when conditions are best for flights. The balloons at Tianliao Moon World attracted spectators young and old. Children shrieked with delight, while parents snapped photo after photo. The city ran two days of test flights, which went off without a hitch. Tourism officials said they would hold their hot air balloon event later this year, in compliance with the rules of the CECC. Professional pilots will offer rides to tourists at Tianliao Moon World and Love River. The first ever Halal Taiwan Week is underway. Organized by the government and the Taiwan External Trade Development Council, this virtual event seeks to showcase Taiwan's halal product to the global market. Products featured in the event will continue to be displayed online until the end of October. Our reporter Stephanie Yang has the highlights.
Halal Taiwan Week is organized by the Bureau of Foreign Trade and the Taiwan External Trade Development Council. This three-day virtual event features Taiwan's growing catalog of halal products. Leonor Lin, Titra president and CEO, said that more than 900 manufacturers in Taiwan have obtained halal certifications so far. Currently, food and beauty products are Taiwan's main halal exports. It's estimated that halal business opportunities will reach 3.2 trillion U.S. dollars in 2024, so we have been working hard to support Taiwan's halal products and promote them to the international international market. It is very important that we help our manufacturers obtain halal certification. We currently have 964 manufacturers that have already obtained halal certification. Most of them belong to the food industry and make products like healthy foods and snacks. These account for about 80% of halal certifications. During the three-day event, more than 60 premium halal suppliers from Taiwan will be displayed. There will also be a webinar and 50 one-on-one -on -one business matching meetings. Organizers aim to attract over 400 businesses from markets, including the Philippines, Turkey, Indonesia, Malaysia, and Somaliland. Taiwan, how they are friendly in halal and Muslim community. I really appreciate in this kind of event. We also have a lot of engagement with uh, Taiwan in terms of halal certification and also sharing of information. Taiwan is uh, our fifth largest uh, trading partner. And then uh, we look forward that we will maintain this, uh, what we call exchanges between uh, Malaysia and Taiwan in terms of bilateral trade. Organizers hope to expand business opportunities for Taiwan's halal products despite the epidemic. Products featured in the three-day event will continue to be displayed online until the end of October. For Mosa News, Stephanie Yang, Chen Shenhan in Taipei. Thai Power has promised to help protect Oriental storks from open power cables after bird lovers launched a campaign to protect the endangered species. Last year, a stork that flew to Kaohsiung from Korea became a darling of local ornithologists before getting a fatal electric shock from electricity pole. Now there are two immigrant storks in Taiwan again, and bird lovers are desperate not to let them meet the same fate. Two oriental storks sit atop an electricity pole, looking utterly magnificent. They're so big that some passers-by mistook them for statues. They don't always stop there. Sometimes they go to the lotus fields. I think they fly there too. But bird experts are concerned that tragedy will strike again if they keep picking those power poles. It's such a shame that in Mitor Township, Kaohsiung, they found the stork died on a power pole in a private fish pond. The initial post-mortem found it had electrical injuries on both its wings. Last year, a stork that flew over from South Korea, identified with the number E37, was found dead in Mitua, seemingly having been shocked by a power pole. In March, three more storks migrated to Jingshan District in New Taipei. Four months later, two were still in Taiwan, apparently pleased by the plentiful food here. So bird lovers have launched a protection campaign. Thai Power has promised to place insulation on power poles that are likely to attract oriental storks. We'll cover them with insulation cases and try to cover all the wiring as much as possible. That will prevent shocks, either to birds or any objects which touch them. The oriental stork is classed as an endangered species with less than 3,000 individuals worldwide. These insulation projects may be a drop in the ocean, but it's a step in the right direction to protect these elegant creatures.
If you've been to Jilong this summer, you might have visited the new sightseeing bridge at Wang Haixiang Fishing Harbor. Its 360-degree views of the local coastline are a big tourist draw, but some visitors are alarmed by the appearance of the new bridge. It was only built in March, but why does it look so weather-beaten already, and why are officials so sanguine? Let's take a look. A beautiful seaside view, but examining the bridge gives some visitors a fright. Model chunks of rusted metal seem to peel from the structure, some as big as your hand. Pick them up and they crumble to bits like a cookie. Looking at it practically, how long can this thing last? It's kind of weird, I guess. I think it's rust. It's an unsettling sight, but this sightseeing bridge in Jilong was only completed in March and was opened with a visit from President Tsai Ing-wen. Now it appears to be covered in rust. What gives? The oxidation of weathering steel takes some time. After weathering, it forms a protective layer made of rust. The rust-like substance is actually there to protect the metal. The bridge is made from weathering steel, an alloy somewhere between normal steel and stainless steel. In normal weather, it gradually oxidizes to produce this protective layer, eliminating the need for paint and creating a structure highly resistant to ocean gales. In the future, this will save the county government a lot of money on maintenance, protection and upkeep. To save visitors from worrying, Jilong County has erected signs on either side of the bridge, explaining that the rust is normal and a sign of the bridge's proper functioning.